As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. That is Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far ought to have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? High drive! Left field! It is out of here! This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 52 of The Roundtable, the only podcast that's guaranteed not to be hosted by someone who just woke up in a panic 15 minutes ago. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Mark Carrig and Andy McCullough. Andy, how you doing? Grant, how are you doing, man? Kids are out of school, man. Things are a little loose here. Oh, man. what? Uh, take me through the last, like, 20 minutes for you. Uh, how about, how about <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm more of a honk shoe guy. Honk shoe, honk shoe. And then, uh, whoops. But then the next 15 minutes are me scrambling to find one single cable that I did not find. So we'll see how this sounds to listeners, but eagle-eared listeners, maybe. Um, anyways, Mark, how are you doing? I want more about you. Like, did you intend to bust out the world's greatest farter mug just now? Was that on purpose? I'm sorry. They crossed that out. They corrected it. And it says father. So it was world's greatest farter. But uh, this is a Father's Day gift. I got this in a Slayer record. Adorbs. Yeah, it's a good one-two combo. Yeah. I mean, are you the world's greatest farter? Buddy, you got no idea. You got no idea the depths I can plumb. Would Would you like some New York press box lore? There was a serial oh God, farter please. about a decade ago <laughs> in New York. And I think there was a lot of speculation about who it was, but it was never confirmed. All we know is that somebody was basically crop dusting press row <laughs> for probably two years straight. That is so good. Yeah. It was uh, the Yan- at Yankee Stadium. And so people would just be like, man, the farters, two seamers, got some movement today. <laughs> 
I mean, I hear cereal farter, and then all of a sudden I'm like, man, I wonder what Count Chocula's got going on. But, again, we are way, way far away from baseball. Bronx Bomber has a different meaning. My God, get Brian on the pod. He's the fifth Beatle. The Save for the pod, Brian. So let's let's talk. First, we got a, a roundtable head of the week. That's how we're going to start every week. So get your comments in. Uh, is there any chance that you, Grant and Mark, this is to Andy, can stop pretending like you have other responsibilities and extend the roundtable to two hours a week? This would allow for more Ned Yo stories, more Mark having the ass, and more Grant discussing Giants lore from before I was born. Thank you. I'll go first. No. <laughs> Yeah, that was from Brandon D, uh, who was kind enough to put that in uh, my mailbag uh, questionnaire this week. And yeah, the answer is no. Like, we can barely get to 45 minutes. I mean, Brian has stuff to do. You know, Karig has nasty Slack messages to send to the people he manages. You know, Grant has to, you know, talk to people about Will Clark. Like, I have, um, I whatever, don't worry about what I'm up to. I'm fine, okay? And yeah, no chance. But thank you, Brian. Yeah, the, the sentiment's or good. Brandon. The spirit is is there. Obscure Giants Lord, do you guys know that Gaylord Perry in the moon landing story? No. Go on. Uh, his manager uh, said, yeah, you know, he's, he was such a bad hitter. He said, oh, they'll put a man on the moon before he hits a home run. And uh, they land on the moon uh, in 1969. And then Gaylord Perry hit a home run that same day. Come on. That that's, can't be true. That's not true. I'm telling you. That I've is, got you are making that up. I have an MLB.com straight from Pravda. I will put that in the chat. <laughs> Jeez. Tough crowd. Jeez. <laughs> tough crowd. Oh, he put it in Slack. Look at this. Wow. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Just, just oh, Google that's funny. Gaylord Perry moon landing. I do believe, like, if I'm using my Occam's razor brain, the quote was apocryphal maybe before. Maybe they meant to say that. Maybe he wanted to say that, but he probably didn't say they'll put a man on the moon before they, they Gaylord Perry hits a home run. But who knows? It's a great story, so I'm not going to... Yeah, too good to check. All right, we're not here to talk about Gaylord Perry. We're here to talk about... Uh, Mark had the ass in our Slack chat <laughs> about Alec Manoa and specifically uh, the fan relationship to a struggling player, I believe, is the, the thread you want to needle. Well... Let's be more specific about this, Grant. This is a player who's outspoken, doesn't mind standing out. He's also heavier than the average player, right? He's this big figure in a lot of different ways. And I think what really drives me crazy is that this is a sport which that can use a lot more of those figures. I think the sport suffers from the fact that its best players are boring. Or choose to be boring, right? Maybe they're not boring, but certainly they project boringness. In fact, it is built into the stupid culture within the game, right? Like where someone like drops a bat in an animated way after hitting a home run, and it's like a two-day controversy. So what I've always just been baffled by, I guess I'm not baffled by, I, just, I find it annoying, is that it's like there's these fans that wait in the wings for someone like Alec Manoa to struggle. And then the second it happens, it's a fire hose of insults about their weight and how outspoken they are and their tats and they should just shut the fuck up and pitch. They should just like man up, like shut your mouth and get better. Go to the minors, stop eating, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 
It's like this eat your own Come on, young that's not a thing. stupidity. It is a Stop thing. Me. It is a Stop thing. Stop eating. No, go look. That got me. That's go so look. funny. That's what it is. And so Stop this is a guy who finished in the top three in Cy Young voting the year before. <sighs> He's a dynamic young player. I think statistically people had projected some kind of regression. I don't think they projected falling off a cliff. That's unfortunately what's happened with this guy. And what I am just irritated with are these folks that have been waiting in the wings to dance on this guy's grave. And what has been his massive crime? Saying interesting things sometimes. Wearing a mic during the All-Star game and then having fun pitching in an exhibition. Having hobbies outside of the sport. Having a body type that doesn't match with others. Like, these are his crimes. And he's being dragged for it every time he gets lit up. Which is a lot this year because he's having a rough year. So, I just find it incredibly irritating and stupid and Every time it happens, I have the same reaction, which is I wish these people would go away. Because you if you eating. keep, well, well, no, I mean, he should eat whatever he likes. I'm just saying. No, the people should stop eating. Because well, I don't think that's die. very nice either. I just want them to go away because I don't know if they're baseball fans as much as they're fans of just like getting on people for standing out, which is just such a stupid thing to do. When the sport is in desperate need of people who are willing to stand out. Anyway, that's it. I, I just I find it dumb. You know, fans being pissed off at a guy struggling, I get it. Like that, whatever. Uh, that's what it is. Mark says, go away. I kind of wish this subset of fans would go away. I, I find it so tired, you guys. It's so tired to wait and wait and wait, and a guy struggles, and because they stand out, you're, you're now all of a sudden they're a nail and you're the hammer. It just I, I find it super irritating. And so that's what got me today. I looked at some of the comments of Caitlin's story, which is a mistake. Yeah, correct. At, you just you answered know, your own Twitter. question. There, Mark. I understand that. But like so Andy's gonna pull the oh, that's not real. Like It's not It's not, but like it's not entirely fake either. That's what I'm saying. Like you can't sure, tell me like, that there are people you're... in the fan base that actually think this nonsense. And so and clearly there are because you got folks in the media that will reflect that in what they write. All right? And so here's what's going to happen with Alec Manoa. He might continue to have a horseshit year. He's going to lose some weight. All right? Because he's been hearing this for his entire career, I'm sure. He's going to come to camp next year looking noticeably slimmer. There might be subtle improvement that could totally just be normal bounce back. And it's going to be attributed to the fact that look at him growing up. He's growing up. He's he's taking his craft more seriously. He stopped eating. He's working. <sighs> like, and this is why he's framing it better. as stop And it's eating. such BS. It's such BS. So, okay. Ignoring the the sort of uh, toxic discourse, right, about Manoa and ignoring the fact that, uh, yeah, as an outspoken guy of Cuban descent, he probably uh, is uh, more targeted for, you know, fan outrage maybe than some others, right? Have you watched him pitch? Like, look, yeah, talking to scouts, like, it's it's redactive to say, like, he's too big to be good, right? He's the same size, looks like the same size as he was last year. Right, exactly. However, however when you, you, you know, I watched the game last night, right? Like, his delivery looks like kind of, like, static and relatively unathletic, 
Okay. Now that's not to suggest he's not a great athlete, but look to the untrained eye, to someone who's talked to pitching coaches over the year who talk about why they want to have movement in the delivery, all that sort of stuff. He appears to have kind of a static delivery. That's not producing great results. So like if there were changes to that, if it involves getting slimmer, if it involves, you know, you know, uh, making some sort of whatever, like uh, mechanical tweaks, like it's not tired to suggest that it might be at the root of what's like the fitness might be at the root of what's going on. Like I get that there's like a cruelty to it, but like, if that's the issue, that's the issue. You have no idea whether that's the issue or not. You have no idea, Andy. No, clue. I have talked to scouts who believe who also that that's have no part idea of it. what it is. Okay. But that's what, guess what? He was dealing last year at the same size. Like, what the hell is this? Like, to me, when you get to the major leagues, you're an exception already, all right? Like, you are exceptional. And, and yeah, is he heavier? Yeah. But that's not to imply, it shouldn't be to imply, the guy doesn't work out or train. Like, if that were the case, then I'd hear this from the scouts. If, if he truly didn't train or work out and let himself go and just like, didn't care at all about working out, which is not true, by the way. Mark, I'm not suggesting that he's completely let himself go. I'm not suggesting that he doesn't train. I'm not suggesting that he doesn't try hard. I'm not suggesting any of those things. But there are certain physical things, right? Like, and it could be stature. It could be weight. It could be, you know, like the, the whatever, like your, your release point, all that stuff. Like, it doesn't, you don't take it off the table because he was good last year. It could be what's going on. It could be one of like fifty things that's going on. Fifty okay, things. Okay, the guy yes, could all. He's also his velocity's down, man. He could have an underlying injury that he's pitching through. Sure, he could. They would probably benefit from putting him on the injured list then. Yes, rather on the than sending injured list. Rather than sending him. It, well, I mean, Mark, you're you're the one who's saying he's injured and then being like, oh, actually, it would be a lie. Well, no, I mean, he's list. obviously been pitching through it. I, I I do the wink because you know, like the you can do anything to put someone on the injured list. It seems like, especially these days. I think you are allowing sort of bad faith discourse to annoy you to the extent that you're like, okay, well, that can't be true. Like, it could I, be. I didn't say that. No, that I is, didn't say that. You I, no, yelled no, 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 no. very loud, and Grant has been very polite this whole time. I think you're both right. Oh, <laughs> bullshit. I knew he was going to say that. Andy, didn't you fucking see he was going to say Grant, that? Grant doesn't know who this guy is. He has no clue. He's looking at a picture of Alec Thomas being like, I thought they traded that guy. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. No, but it's, it's, I get both points, all right? I get, uh, as someone who covered Pablo Sandoval for a long time, when he struggled, it was because of the weight. When he was hitting at the same weight, it was just Pablo being Pablo. Like, there's always this armchair analysis that's just so easy and so lazy to be like, that's the problem, and I get that. And there's a very vocal subset of fans who are ready at the drop of a hat uh, but I also see Andy's point where it's like, hey, you know what? Flexibility, a big thing when it comes to pitching. You know, extension and this and that. And maybe there is a way that he can target this specific component of pitching that also has to do with gener general athleticism. Maybe not. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it is uh, just the yips. Maybe it's this. I don't know. It's, it's a mess. I just keep going back to sometimes pitchers struggling that's not exactly breaking news on the roundtable but uh, i'll go to the old uh, i'll go back to the old one uh who is the major league starter with the highest era ever minimum 13 games started in a season no idea roy halliday roy halliday was as broken as a young pitcher could be 
Broken, broken, broken. 10-6-4 ERA in 2000. Uh, it was sad. It was sad watching it. And every this was after he almost had the perfect game that was busted up in the ninth inning. He was already an ascending star. And then he was just gone, lost. And... Then he became Roy Halladay, Hall of Famer. So I'm not saying that that's going to happen with Alec Manoa because then you have Tim Lincecum where it's like, oh, maybe he'll be back. Maybe, oh, he'll find it. He'll find And then he never does. So who knows? But I think everything's on the table. Lincecum provides an interesting I, – I, maybe I can use Lincecum to better explain what I'm trying to say to Mark because I obviously agree with like, you know, if you're yelling about Alec Manoa being outspoken, like I don't know how you ended up in front of Mark's eyeballs, but thankfully I don't see that stuff. But so like Lincecum, right, when he was coming through the draft, what was the criticism, you know, that people had that, you know, scouts, execs, whatever, right? He was too skinny. It didn't look like you were used to seeing it. Uh, and maybe if you want to get really like like really granular with it, it was the idea that like once his arm speed slows, I'm not sure he's going to be able to generate the power that he does currently, right? And what happened? Tim Lincecum came out. He was like the best pitcher on the planet for several years. He had an incredible career and then his arm speed slowed and he stopped being the guy he was. That was a physical thing that you can see and point to and be like, look, that's just kind of how his body works. And that might be part of what's affecting him. Like these are physical games played by physical bodies and those characteristics matter. It's not a character judgment. Right. Like to suggest that Mark from me, I'm telling you, if you're covering the team, it's not a character judgment to raise it as an issue. If it is what's actually going on, it's pro sports. Before we move on, I just want to point out that Mark winked into the camera on a podcast. <laughs> and I think that disqualifies him from any argument. There's YouTube. <laughs> just, no, watch us on YouTube. Yeah, watch it. Watch us on on uh, YouTube. We're, uh, I like the YouTube thing. It's fun. Um, you can see that I haven't taken my St. Patty's Day decorations down. Apparently. Wait, Mark, do you disagree with what? That the idea that like you, there's a way to write about this in a way that's respectful, but also no, like, of course not ignoring I do. reality. Of course right? I do. Because this think... part of it, that's part of this guy's reality. That's who he, it's. Yeah. It's the same thing as if you're six foot nine. It's harder to re- to repeat your delivery. Right, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's his body. His body is what it is. No, but I feel like there is so much additional bullshit attached to weight that while I agree with you, Andy, in practice, it's almost impossible to do it objectively. It's almost impossible because, and you're saying it's not a value judgment to you. Okay, great. To a lot of people, it is. Especially when you're talking about the world of professional sports. Now, they hey, can I'm the be... heaviest guy on this podcast, all right? <laughs> like... People Don't can... try and steal fat guy valor whoa, from me, Whoa, buddy. whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy. <laughs> Easy. I'm not trying to do that. Everyone watching can see all three of my chins every week. Oh, anyway. Oh, Andy. So anyway, yeah, like I think so much of what my reaction to it is all of the additional subtext that goes along with the weight issue. And I think that this guy catching that is unfair. Could it be possible that it is the cause? Sure. But it's almost like... There's so many potential causes. Why is this the one that we're going to fixate on? And it's like, especially when we have a lot of evidence that shows that, you know, there's a lot of dudes that look like that did just fine. All right. Bartolo Colon pitched a long time. CeCe Sabathia pitched a long time. In fact, when CeCe lost the weight, guess what happened to his effectiveness? It went away for a bit. He put some back on on purpose. Now, I get the flip side of that. They're professional athletes, and I think when, as a fan, like it's a very easy thing to do, to put 
you know, give a shit for lack of a better term and equate that with how you look, right? Because if you give a shit, then supposedly you're not showing up to the ballpark looking like this. You wouldn't let it be a factor in your performance, especially in a game where we can agree there's a lot of factors that can impact your performance. So control the ones you can supposedly control. And, and supposedly that is weight, all right? Now, yeah, right. research will not, tell you it's yeah. that's bullshit, right? And what I find, I guess this is the thing I'm trying to articulate. When you get to the level of Major League Baseball and every player in front of you is literally exceptional, then at some point, you know, you, you just sort of ride that. Right, like this person is so talented that like what they're doing in general, if that's the weight they've got to pitch at, then that's what it is. Like you know, Pablo Sandoval is a great example of this. For all the discourse about Pablo Sandoval, he played longer in the major leagues than ninety-five percent of the players that put a uniform on. So what? Like if he lost twenty-five pounds, is it now he ninety-six percent? Like what are we really talking about here? The guy had an exceptional career. If you get a focus group of 100 chuckleheads, right, you get 100 chuckleheads that are annoying, Mark. You put them in a room <laughs> and, you, and you ask them to dissect a player's struggles. Like, they're not going to know the intricacies of release point. They're not going to be like, well, his arm slot. You see his arm slot or his extension. They can just look at a player, though, and they have a very good ability to go, Fuh. You know, like that is like a chucklehead can do that. They can like bang on the buzzer in the game show and like, oh, well, his body's weird. And that's all, all, you know, if that's all you know, that's all you know. So they're not going into, uh, well, you know, his elbow's a little tender and he's, uh, he's compensating by landing on this foot. No, it's going to be just what they see. So I wouldn't read too much into it. I think Andy makes good points with, it could be, don't rule it out. Maybe not. There's all sorts of reasons. And I also agree with Mark that, uh, it sucks. The discourse sucks. And toxic fans, uh, they should take up, like, gaming. Like, gaming is where the toxic fans <laughs> oh, Grant. should be. Grant, I have terrible news for you. No, just <laughs> add them onto the pile. Like, at that point, it's just, you know, you'll, you won't even notice. <laughs> Poor Brandon Fry. He's been struggling a little bit for, for the D-backs, the official pitching prospect of the roundtable. But, uh, but, you know, he'll get for my fantasy. He just has to take anyway. off some weight. <laughs> what like lose an a his name? <laughs> look it was bad faith I, i'm not gonna I, I got triggered by idiots i get it i get it okay i i grant you that point i guess my what i'm saying is that those the fine line between those idiots that are, are, are toxic and, and talking bad faith and people who are trying to watch this like there's a little overlap there there's more than i think that i think there's more overlap to that group than you do because I've heard these thoughts expressed from people who run baseball teams, okay? I've heard an undercurrent of that stuff in folks who evaluate players. So, like, I think while you're right, like, I'm probably making a too big a deal out of, like, loudmouths on, like, social media or whatever. I grant you that point. I also think that, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not being said and thought of by folks whose opinions might actually matter. Because I think within the sport, there's certainly that element of folks, too. Mark, there's something I want to say to you. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles oh or where God. the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short. Like, this is such a long sentence. Good grief. Did Teddy Roosevelt have an editor? Anyway. I thought those were Rush lyrics. <laughs> those are Rush lyrics. You know, I quoted Rush on the SAT2s. Yeah, I got an 800, baby. 
it didn't do much for my life. But uh, yeah, I quote, it's uh, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Think about it, Grant. Dude, sometimes it does be like that. looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service anytime sounds like a real game changer if you ask us make the right call and get the service you deserve with discover limitations apply see terms at discover.com slash credit card looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience, a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely there poke hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. Trade deadline. We might as well talk about it. People love it. It's coming up. The Angels are a game over 500. The AL East is going to make it very difficult for teams to sneak in to the wild card from the American League. The Angels are, let me look at this right now, they're nine back from the Texas Rangers. 
Do they do it? Hell no. Do they do it? No. I think they're not going no, to. No, and I don't think they should. But should they? Okay, talk to me. This is the only guaranteed time that you have this transcendent player. This is it. From now until the finish line is the only time the Anaheim Los Angeles Angels are going to employ this player. You might as well roll the dice with it even if the odds look low. Dude, they weren't that high to start the season, so what's the difference now? All right? And then also, we've seen this trend in the sport anyway. When you don't have control behind the player, what are you getting for this guy? And is that really worth like punting all the way? No, it's not. I just cannot foresee even it making sense on that level that some team will pony up enough to procure this player for two months. So you might as well hang on to him and do the best you can. And to the Angels' credit, we use the word squint a lot here. If you squint and they can figure out to bolster parts of their team, that you can at least see a situation in which they get in the side door. So for me, like I just can't imagine. But unless they go a full Oakland A's from now until August 2nd, I cannot justify that at all, man. Like, and, and maybe I'm like over the top there, but it, it, to me, it's really as simple as you have this guaranteed time with this player and never again where these two guys are together, Trout and Otani. So you might as well ride it out all the way. You've gotten to this point. Mark, I was talking about Hunter Renfro. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, that changes everything. You got to extend him in that case. Like, you know, But yeah, like that to me is... There's you, there's no guarantees, right? You might as well roll with it. You've gotten to this. We're already here, right? I agree. You've had six years of Trout and Otani. You got nothing to show for it. You are closer to having something more than nothing to show for it than you have been, even if it's probably still nothing to show for it. I This is it. This is you. You trade Otani. You fold the franchise. You just, you move to Vegas. You move to Vegas. You guys get out of here. Like, I just, yeah. if you flub that kind of chance, you have to give that organization a chance. They have the greatest head start to a, a roster in Major League history, give or take, where they have two players playing the, the role of three players, and they're all at an ultra high level. You hope, you just hope upon hopes that in the, the second half, Zach Neto, he just goes bananas and starts hitting 330 or something. You just hope that Hunter Renfro clubs 20 home runs in the second half. You hope that Taylor Ward figures it out and becomes some sort of uh, role-playing deity. You, you hope and you hope. And if you screw it up, you screw it up and you slink and then you move to Vegas. Get out of here. Yeah, I think you guys are right. Actually, I know you guys are right. I would be curious to know what the actual offers look like, you know, for, for two months of Otani. If only because he is a little more challenging to add to a roster uh, than the average star pitcher or star DH, right? Because you got to sort of uh, build your rotation around him. And so that probably makes teams less likely to maybe not maybe that's maybe that's such a small thing like may, i don't I, I don't know you'd have to like hook up some of the executives to sodium penthol to really find out how much they actually value that right cuz you could sell me on like well it actually really decreases his value or you could you know just be like it's shohei otani you idiot like we'll go to a six man rotation i don't know i do think you have to at least see what the offers are but it does become a like what is the point of the endeavor, you know, for if you get like 60% of the Soto package or 75% of the Soto package, right? Because you're not getting 100% of the Soto package. You're just, you're just not like it was, that was for three, two and a half seasons. You're just not for two months. But even if you get the Soto package, is that enough? I, I mean, like in a, 
whatever, like a surplus value uh, equation probably, but like you also have to try and sign this guy. And I still think they have a chance to sign him, even though, you know, there are, you know, some folks in the industry have completely ruled that out. I think the Angels have as decent a chance as anyone to sign him this winter. I really do. So, like, would that affect? I don't don't know. It just, it's a bummer. So I'm talking from the Angels' perspective, right? I'm talking about should they do it? No. But now if I put on my other hat and if I'm the Giants... And say the Giants are a game under 500 right now, which is right about where the Angels are. Like, they're not World Series contenders. To me, the reason I give them the Soto package, the full Soto package, if offered, is not necessarily that he's going to propel them into the World Series, propel them into the postseason. It's for that exclusive window of negotiating rights that's as valuable as anything he's going to do on the field for the next few months and if i'm the giants i take that shot because when the dodgers traded for mookie Betts, they got to let him feel comfortable see what the whole thing was about talk to him a little bit boom he signs a big long honking deal so it was also a global pandemic and we were led and there was an idea that there would never be money again in baseball so that <laughs> played a slight you're, you're leaving out one thing that happened there i get the, i get the point yeah. I, I i you know i get your point but like there were some other factors that maybe oh, made maybe made mookie Betts a little tweet. bit more interesting and take yeah gold how, how did okay. that work out did the money ever come back to the sport uh, yeah, the sport's okay, Mark. Oh. Actually, it's just uh, it's just all the people who are angry commenting who aren't getting the money. That's why they're that's why they're so annoyed in our comment section is because they're, they're getting ground into they're getting ground into dust by the system we live in. It's awesome. <laughs> and then you're yelling at them like these bad faith jerks. Blah, 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 blah. Please this like and subscribe. This sounds like the media room podcast. dinners we used to have. Me getting pissed off about something and being too cool for school to ignore. Me just telling it. you it's not real and being right. Um, <laughs> okay, Grant, another thing that I was thinking about this week. Farhan Zaidi should be calling John Mozeliak about Paul Goldschmidt a lot, right? Uh, well, I mean, the Giants, uh, they do have uh, all-star first baseman Lamont Wade Jr. with a 413 on-base percentage at first base. His defense looks fine. I guess you could put Wade somewhere in the outfield where he's not that ideal or a DH, but you got Jock Peterson there. I'm not sure the fit is quite there. They would make it work for Goldschmidt, but I can also say that the Cardinals would want a ton. There's something about the teams that are never in this position that all of a sudden they get there and they're like, uh, you know, we want your top 10 prospects and 10 million and like, you know, second round conditional draft pick in the 2024 NFL draft like the teams that never get there all of a sudden like they've got these grand ideas of what they should be asking for the Cardinals are going to be fascinating I guess what I why I asked that is um if you ask me which team who is the best team in terms of talent in the National League Central I would say the Cardinals and if you ask me who do I think is going to win the division next year I would say the Cardinals there is a problem they lose almost every day. <laughs> and it doesn't make a lot of sense. You can watch it and just be sort of confused if you followed, you know, our coverage from Katie Wu. Like, she seems to be just as perplexed as anyone else when she was on the show. She did a great job of explaining why it doesn't really make any sense. And so I just wonder, like, they have so much theoretical talent that other folks in the industry would be interested in. You've got a year and a half left with Goldschmidt, right? Like he's a he's a Hall of Famer. Like I 
what what's out there? And if you're and if you're the Giants, if you're the Baltimore Orioles, you know, if if uh, whomever, right? If you're a team on the cusp and you can get a year and a half of Paul Goldschmidt when he continues to play like Paul Goldschmidt, I feel like I'd be willing to give up a lot. I don't disagree. I was, I just look at the Cardinals and I don't know when the tipping point is, but I see that they have their Pythagorean. They're thirty-one and thirty, uh, so they've scored more runs than they've allowed. And you look at the roster, and you just—I don't have a list of the seasons where the Cardinals have pulled this crap. But there are multiple, at least three seasons where you're like, well, the Redbirds are cooked. And then, oh, they've won 19 out of 18 games. And they're they're back in, oh, wow, they won the division. I'm not saying that's going to happen this year. But when the bones are this good, and when you start, like, one of my favorite theorems is that when you are talking about, wow, this team can get so much back at the deadline. They can trade this guy and that guy. and That's a sign that that team's probably good. And that they're underperforming. If you can just pick off all these pieces and the other teams would be thrilled to have them, that's probably because they're good players and they have a preponderance of good players and maybe keep them around. And I don't know. I don't know. I just, the Cardinals are fascinating. They strike me as a club <clears throat> that could potentially pull off what the Yankees tried to do about seven, eight years mm, ago. That instant rebuild, 16, right? Like, they, you know, they're that, when you look at like the mix of players, like the ranges, right? You got some experienced guys, you got dudes breaking in. And it looks like you could probably run that move here if you had like now, you know, you, you got to hit on the trades and then you've got to spend money afterward. Right. Because like if you're going to part with that talent, but still try to win relatively soon, you're probably going to have to fill some gaps in free agency or whatever to kind of like. And that's what the Yankees end up doing. So I don't know, man, like I could see that. Because, like, they've got assets on the club that would be of interest to others, obviously. So, you know, and, and here's the other thing that, you know, I know we, we've talked about the Cardinals sort of doing that insta turnaround before. Well, they're not playing a bunch of NL Central anymore to the finish line, right? Like, I think that it's really, it's harder to sort of see that happening because they're going to have to play quality teams now. Whereas in the past, that wasn't necessarily the case. Historically, that hasn't been necessarily the case. So... I don't know. I think that kind of bolsters Andy's Andy's argument a little bit, especially when I think you could also do kind of a hybrid model here where you're not like gutting the thing or whatever with the intent of like turning it quickly because you got some players who are young that are promising that are kind of coming in mass that, you know, maybe this is almost a, a, a reshuffling rather than rebuild, right? Like you just sort of do it quickly and turn it depending on what you get back. Like, it doesn't have to be for guys who are in A-ball, you know? Like, it could be similar to, you know, the Brewers have made trades like this. Uh, not the hater trade, per se, but, like you know, like the Chris Davis trade um, with the with the A's comes to mind, right? Where everyone's like, why are you getting a guy with, like, you know, that, why are you doing that? Oh, he's a good player for you for several years, and you think you'll actually be good next year. Like, I think it's just, it's a, it's a weird limbo to be in because every time they win two games in a row, you're like, yeah, they're going to win the division. And then they, but then... They go two of six over the next, you know, eight games. And you're like, what the heck? And to Mark's point, like, they play the Central less. And the Central's more competent, you know? Like, the Cubs, while they're not great, are not going to lose, you know, 115 games. The Reds are more competent. You know, the Pirates are competent for the first time in quite some time. The Brewers are almost always competent. So even when they get, you know, the former their former patsies in the division, like, the, you know, it's more of a fair fight. And so I just, uh, I feel like you have to explore serious offers 
especially since, you know, it's a way to like infuse more talent and, and sort of, I, I, I just, I don't know. It feels like the, the mix might be off or something. I, who can say? Or maybe the year's just cursed. Maybe the season is just cursed, you know? When I look at the, the Cardinals and I, I make this prediction based on past history, which really doesn't have any effect on the 2023 season, you know, I say, oh, they'll be fine. They'll be fine because I'm looking at it from the outside. But I don't know where they would get the pitching for a run like that. Like I'm looking at a 41-year-old Adam Wainwright. I'm looking at a Stephen Matz who hasn't been effective for a while. I understand that. And then I also go back to the offseason when every Cardinals fan was raising their hand and going, uh, one more, one more starting pitcher. Uh, can, can we get, can we get one more starter? Uh, maybe two. Uh, and they were summarily dismissed, but I think that's the story of the Cardinal season. They just don't have the pitching. They, they, they're struggling and you've got Arenado not having his best year. You, your young outfielders, they're taking turns on the injured list. I get that, but it's the pitching and I don't know where that comes from. And if the Cardinals don't know where that comes from, maybe it is time to start dealing away. Well, they had a formula that that worked for them for pitching, and it was related to the defense, right? They could get guys who would put balls on the ground, put balls in play, and they had like one of the best defenses in the sport. And whether it is you know shifting the the the, the restrictions on shifting, whether it you know Katie mentioned the pitch clock was affecting some of the you know the run prevention stuff, like for whatever it is, their defense is below average. Like I think they're like Fangraphs run save, they're in like they're like twenty second or twenty third. And they used to be in the top five. So that's the pitching. If you're basing it on, hey, here's how we do it. We go get John Lester. We go get Jose Quintana. And they play up because, you know, the balls are getting hoovered up behind them. Well, that doesn't work anymore when the balls are squirting through, you know, into the outfield. And so, like, now all of a sudden it's like maybe we need starters who have a better strikeout rate than Jason Marquis. But that'd be the sort of thing if, like, maybe, you know, if you dangled a guy like, I don't know, Paul Goldschmidt, you might be able to find a couple of arms like that. I would think it's less, I mean, Goldschmidt, yes, that's the obvious, like, big, big ticket. But you can get creative for some of your young outfielders. Like, I don't think Tyler O'Neill's uh, market is totally evaporated. I don't think, you know, Dylan Carlson is, is uh, going to scare teams away. I think you have this this glut of young outfielders. Maybe that's where you, you go for it. I don't know that you have to check Goldschmidt just yet. I don't know what you would get for a 35, 36-year-old, uh, even if he is a Hall of Famer. I think you would get a significant haul for a year and a half of him, given that, I mean, I don't know, significant, might that might be strong. But, like, I feel like you would be able to get a serious return, given that he's shown no signs of slowing down. He is one of the best hitters in the sport, and the cost is perfectly fine. Um, you know, and with the DH, like, he can, you know, you can sort of rest him if that I, I I don't know like it's different than trading Soto obviously I just feel like if you're moving Carlson if you're moving O'Neill you're just making a bunch of challenge trades essentially right you're like betting like hey we're gonna beat you in this deal whereas in a Goldschmidt one it can be like hey goods for goods dude I like the idea more and more because the, the, the potential impact and price point would match up right like I think everybody wins there like the Cardinals could come out with like players that you know, what, what are we talking about? Dudes you can like plug in relatively quickly because like the, the commitment isn't very much. He hasn't shown those signs, as you've said. I think it's an intriguing idea. Be, they'd be, you know, probably wise to at least begin looking through their roster and finding those opportunities. And yeah, I think Goldschmidt makes a lot of sense. Like that's, you know, wouldn't have thought about that going into the pod, but like as, you, as you're discussing it, like why not? 
You know, why not? I mean, what's the only prohibition here? They historically haven't done this sort of thing. Yeah, I That's mean, it's it, just right? and because you're and it's going to really piss off your fans. Really piss I mean, off. They're your pretty fans. pissed now. I mean, they've got yeah. a utility man playing catcher. So I, I mean, mean, this is know. why every GM wishes his team was the Rays. Because they could just make moves Dude, in a vacuum. I'll tell you what. Like, I remember someone from, from the race saying something like that to me a couple of years ago and, like, scoffing at it. And the more I thought about it, it's like, you know what? This is part of why they're good. They leverage that. No one's watching. Hooray. That means we can do all of this crazy stuff. And so on the flip side of it, yeah, markets like St. Louis, Philly, New York, you know, places where, like, historically there's just a lot of attention paid to the teams from start to finish. Um, yeah, you really can't engage in that sort of thing. And I wonder if this is a moment to kind of challenge that. I think that's it's a really compelling argument. Do you think uh, that there is a curse of Marcelo Zuna? He really set this franchise back. When they when they got him from the Marlins and they traded Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen, uh, I think their rotation would look a little bit different with Alcantara and Gallen in there right now. Um, you know, it's easy to play Monday morning quarterback and stuff, but it's it's fascinating that that one trade is really hard for them to come back from. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons to criticize Ozuna, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know if I really want to use... Enough. I don't know if I really want to use him as the uh, as a marketing curse. That's a good point. Let's just forget about him. Got yeah. It. Not a great trade, though. If that's the point you're making. If, that's if the you're, point, if the point making. you're making is that was a bad trade, agreed. Because uh, Zach Gallen like looks like the best pitcher in the sport. Man, he is so. And I, the, he just he looks like a gosh, I can't remember his name. The guy from Silent Live, the uh, the guy who did the weird uh, Tim Robinson. Interview. No, gosh, dang it! Why can't I remember this? You know, he did the 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 weirdly awkward interview with Aubrey Huff that went Joe viral. Piscopo. Son of a biscuit! I don't remember it. All right. Yeah, you're talking about ball champions. Yeah, ball champions. Why can't I remember this? Brian, clean you this know up. Who it is. Clean this up and post. You know who it is. I can't remember his clean name. Clean this up and post. Kristen Wiig. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Let's not detract from the fact, by the way, that we were all about the Diamondbacks before it was cool. Hell yeah. We were all it? about them before it was cool. Kyle we Mooney. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Andy. It was producer Brian that helped me out. Oh, no, wait, no. Working audio glue. I don't even know who that is. That's me, dummy. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Brian. I'm going to thank Brian. Because hey, I'm Brian the glue anyway. and my audio's working, but thank you, Brian. Yeah, Mark, we were on the D-backs. Interesting. Hey, Christian Walker for Paul Goldschmidt. Who says no? <laughs> yeah, we shall see how it holds up over the summer. But uh, what they do, you know, they're fun. They're, they are, they've, their brand has always been competence. Which I just sort of love as a as a as a style of baseball. It's like we're gonna catch the baseball, we're gonna run hard, we're gonna play, you know, like we're gonna go first to third, we're gonna make the play. Like God, there's something you know sort of tidy and efficient about watching, uh, you know, about their style. I like that. I think it really fits well with the challenge that they're facing, right? We talked about the mountain that they gotta climb, and it's financial. It's mountains of money. San Diego, Los Angeles. You know, San Francisco, when, when, when they're in that mode, like the, these are clubs that get after it. And here are the Diamondbacks through competence, Andy's word, 
sticking in there, just like sticking around and, and you know, making good trades and, and, you know, building good competitive athletic baseball teams. And, you know, yeah, they had their dip, right? Like they, they'd been competent. Again, I love that work because that's what they are, you know, had to reset, did that and look, they've come out on the other end and, you know, leading the division and when the division features some big time heavy hitters financially. I, I think it is cool. It's a fun story. Um, and beyond that, like, it's just a good team. They're fun to watch. They play good baseball. Credit to the, the folks who built the club. I mean, that's that's kind of telling to me, not just like as, as far as like the actual baseball moves and resourcefulness or whatever, but also being unfazed by the fact that they had a huge challenge in front of him, have a huge challenge in front of him. I think it's pretty cool. All right. This has been episode number 52 of the Roundtable, the only baseball podcast where one of the hosts will order Wilco tickets while recording the podcast <laughs> because they announced a surprise show. Wait, Grant, how, how is this gonna, one going to go sideways for you? It's in the middle of the postseason. So congratulations to the Giants. Wow. They're going to be in the NLCS. You heard it here first. Um, there's no way they're not. I will be in, uh, I'll be in St. Louis for the NLCS, Giants Cardinals. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. All right. We will be back next week. We'll talk about baseball. That's what we do. See you then. I was very wrong.